When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to the Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We have with us Dr. Duna Pollat to discuss the current hot topic, which is the role of hydrogen in global business. Dr. Bruno is a professor of chemistry at the University of Quebec. He is also co-director of the Institute of Hydrogen Research. He is adjunct professor of renewable energy at Norwegian University of Science and Technology. He holds two research chairs in green hydrogen and renewable hydrogen production. He is also president of the Green Hydrogen Division of International Association for Hydrogen Energy and is member of the Council of Engineers for Energy Transition, which is actually an independent advisory council to the United Nations Secretary General. He has a lot of experience with hydrogen. He has worked on hydrogen energy in uh, UK, Japan, South Africa, Norway, and Canada, and has both industrial and academic experiences. His research covers a wide range of areas from development of novel materials, which is very important for electrolyzers, for low-temperature fuel cells and water electrolyzers, hydrogen production from pure as well as non-pure waters, organics, bio-waste, to fuel cells and electrolyzer systems, demonstrators and prototypes. He co-founded and co-directed the Birmingham Center for Hydrogen and Fuel Cell Research in the UK and was director of HYSA, HISA, System Integration and Technology Validation, Competency Center in South Africa. He has worked for Johnson Matthew Fuel Cells Limited in the UK and other various industries worldwide. He has his PhD in physical chemistry in the field of electrochemistry and sonochemistry at Coventry University in the UK. And he undertook his postdoc in electrocatalysis at the University of Liverpool in the UK. He serves on several associations and industry boards, as well as editorial boards of international journals, such as Elsevier, Royal Society of Chemistry, Spring, and Willie. Uh, welcome, Dr. Bruno. Hello, Mahesh. Uh, Dr. Bruno, we have a very exciting subject uh, on hydrogen today, which everybody is talking about. And uh, I know you are one of the rare industry experts with all kinds of backgrounds. I would put research and all that. So start with, I just want to take your opinion on a few things. So if you go back in time, uh, it looks like probably 40 years ago when the Hindenburg disaster killed the era of hydrogen fuel, I will so-called vehicles. I'll use a general word for that. Uh, but can the lightest element of our universe be avoided? It still continues to capture the imagination of everybody. It's very clean, it's available, and uh, it's so-called potential cheap energy source. 
it can be energy source for transmission, usage, carriage, whatever way we want to use it. And especially with the net zero targets coming in from almost 35 gigaton reduction to close to five, it becomes very important. And I think uh, the world takes a very big note of it. And with that net zero target and all the actions which are being taken by industry, by governments, by uh, social organizations to combat climate change. Uh, I think hydrogen has regained a lot of popularity, which it had lost 40 years ago. And we hear about it uh, at a lot of places, and especially for green hydrogen, where you need those renewable energies, <clears throat> could be wind turbines, solar panels. It is becoming a more and more discussed topic. Now, we are at a stage where it can take a center stage hydrogen because it can be used as a major source of powering for industrial processes where you can cut substantial carbon emission. But, okay, agreed it's not yet there, but there will be some time with all the focus coming from, um, from all the, I would say, impacting players, governments, industry, and people asking for uh, controlling the climate change, all of it coming together. I want to refer to and take your opinion on that people have been talking in past always like hydrogen being the future of, uh, the fuel of future. And some used to joke around, it will always be, but seems like it is going in a very different direction now. What do you think? Is it still the same or does the current environment provide an opportunity for hydrogen to be the fuel now? Well, thank you, Mahesh. Um, listen, I've been in this hydrogen uh, sector for more than 20 years and I, I must admit, I've never seen such a, a, a huge interest in that molecule. And um, there's a lot of reason for that because it's a, it's a, it's a really... Um, excellent molecule for to be used in different sectors of the industry and to power also uh, transport sectors, etc. Um, yes, um, it's been, you know, since I've been in this area, it's been always, oh yes, hydrogen is the future. But I can tell you now, it, it, the, this hydrogen is really for real, is now. It is actually, it is happening now. And uh, obviously we have, as you also stated, we have a huge uh, task in terms of really decarbonizing our society, you know, by 2030 and 2050 by a total 100% decarbonization. So we have a lot of work to do. And obviously there's been a lot of um, hydrogen saying, oh yes, very dangerous um, because of the Indenburg incident, you know, in the 1930s, but we actually, we are now moving away from that. And I can hear a lot of people saying like, well, hydrogen is like another gas, it has to be you know, uh, handle very carefully, and we really have to be trained in terms of around the hydrogen safety um, when it comes to handling hydrogen and you know using hydrogen in different sectors. So now, clean hydrogen is really clearly recognized as a potential technology to overcome these these limits. Okay, so you know, again, I want to say to to your uh, listeners here, uh, you know, hydrogen is not, you know, the single bullet, uh, you know, uh, in terms of uh, decarbonization, but it will be part of it. It's part of this big portfolio, different technologies, which will actually um, help us 
to reach that to that 2050 you know decarbonization you know target. So on hydrogen is a is a very versatile molecule. It's it's very light. You know it can be used directly into a, a fuel cell. You know in those vehicles. You know can be used also in electricity generation uh, as a feedstock to produce more suitable derivatives. You know like ammonia. You know ammonia is used also for fertilizer, methanol, mm. uh, and and sustainable aviation fuels actually so called the SAF and and. And this is really real here. It, 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 I, I talk to industry nearly every day, and they really want to decarbonize the industries. You know, they had to decarbonize sectors. You know, they, they had to electrify, as we call it. You know, it could be the uh, the steel industry, the, the cement industry, the concrete industry. You know, the uh, you know, fertilizer industry, etc. And um, obviously, um, hydrogen is uh, makes very much sense for, uh, you know, heavy transport, you know, at the moment I'm involved in this, you know, Alstom hydrogen train, which actually we started a project on that uh, train actually landed in Quebec a few weeks ago. And just to demonstrate that hydrogen is, you know, feasible for, you know, long distances, you know, uh, you don't have to have, you know, this uh, very heavy batteries on which uh, I would say it takes a long time to reach out, okay, with hydrogen, you know, fuel cell systems, it takes a few minutes, you know, to, to refuel it. And uh, there you go. It can do also very long distances, you know, you know, five kilograms, 10 kilograms, let's say, of hydrogen. You can do 1,000 kilometers. So this is real. You know, I, I'm talking, as I said, to this industry, to policymakers as well. I try to train them, to explain to them the technology on how it works. And uh, yes, it's, uh, I, can, I can say after by 20 plus years, in the industry, this is, you know, hydrogen is now. That is that is so nice to hear, because uh, you know, once you get into uh, this usage of hydrogen, actually, the industry, most of them which you referred, especially petrochemical fertilizers and all, they have been using um, gray hydrogen, basically extracted from natural gas and all that, but the shift to green hydrogen can really change the game for decarbonization. Because almost if, if we can meet the goal of usage of hydrogen, it can cut down the global emission by 20% of the total target. That's a huge number, yes. it's one fifth of, of the total uh, global emissions. Now, uh, Dr. Bruno, one of the factors which is being addressed now, which in the past was a little bit of issue, uh, the cost of green hydrogen, which used to be anywhere or it is probably in some places from, let's say I'm going by round numbers, uh, from $2 to $10 a kg. Yes. But now that number is needed to be at least going down to between one to two kg to be competitive with blue hydrogen and expand yes. the use, you know, the burst of green hydrogen use, uh, which actually seems to be now in focus and efforts taking place. Like even, you know, we'll talk later in, in other segments about the hydrogen shot. They are, they are um, aiming for $1 in United yes. States of America. They're investing into it. And, and if you, if, uh, if you refer to, I was uh, reading this book, The Hydrogen Revolution, 
And that's where it says uh, the green hydrogen cost will be competitive within five years. And they are comparing it with fossil fuels when you're using it as a fuel. That is amazing if that happens. And probably maybe that relies on likely how much of offshore wind is part of this projection. So that can really help. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to be, I mean, you hit the nail on the head here. I, 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 at, at, at the moment, uh, green hydrogen, or I, I could actually call it now renewable hydrogen, is, you know, more, much more expensive than low carbon or, you know, or fossil, you know, uh, fossil-based hydrogen, okay? That, that's a fact. So um, when I talk to the industry, they, they want to decarbonize, for sure, they want to use green hydrogen, but it depends also on the cost. They will not pay something which costs actually 10 times more, five times or 10 times more than the usual, you know, hydrogen used as a feedstock for their chemical processes, okay? This is a fact. And uh, the other thing as well, we've we hear lots of those kind of uh, a target saying that, okay, we're going to have, going to this, we'll be talking about this later on, I believe, but this, you know, $1 US dollars per, per kilogram in, in 10 years' time, I would say it's very ambitious, and I think I would say, um, I, I wish, uh, from my side, we need to do much more uh, to that in order to get to those values, okay? So I reckon we will get to those values maybe by 2050, you know, mm-hmm. or even before, but um, I think it's a bit, I would say, um, uh, optimistic. However, um, we need to really, uh, really focus on the deployment of these uh, really uh, green hydrogen producing, you know, um, really uh, uh, plants for that. And, and I want to actually clarify for the, the listeners there, when we talk about green hydrogen and renewable hydrogen, we are using actually renewable energy technologies like wind, solar, etc., coupled with an electrolyzer. Okay, electrolyzers actually, I would say that the heart uh, of, of this uh, green hydrogen produ- production. Um, so electrolyzer, basically what it is, you know, very simply here, is basically you feed in some water into a big system and you're putting in some uh, green electrons, renewable electrons, to break down the water. And that in, basically you are producing your green hydrogen and also at the same time your green oxygen. So something that, not to forget, when you actually break down the molecule, that's what you're doing. Okay, and this is actually needs a lot of electricity to do that. So, you know, um, to to produce basically that's, you know, one kilogram of hydrogen, you need around 55 kilowatt hour of electricity. Okay, which is huge. Okay, this is very energy hungry system. So we are now looking at you know, in order to get into those figures of the one dollars per, you know, per kilogram, we need to do a lot of things. One, we need to really reduce the cost of significantly of your electricity coming in. Okay, and two, you need also to look at you know better efficient electrolyzer systems where you can actually really use the electricity uh, and, and that would go extremely far. What I'm trying to say here, looking at actually system, you know, around 45, 40 kilowatt hour per, per kilogram of hydrogen produced. So this is where we are at, at at present. But there's a lot of things going on for sure. You know, in when I go travel to Japan, China, Africa, and you know, you know, every corners of the world, we are all aiming at reducing the cost of the electrolyzer. 
reducing also the, or actually decreasing the, um, uh, actually the energy consumption, increasing obviously the efficiency of the system. So there's a lot of things to do here. And, um, and for those, uh, the listeners who are unfamiliar with electrolyzer, it's been around for so many years. You know, I mean, the first electrolyzer actually was really developed by the Canadian actually, uh, by the Sturt family, you know, more than hundred years ago. And uh, also by the Norwegian for producing uh, ammonia and fertilizer. But, you know, it's been working so far, uh, you know, they be, you know, uh, this system been powered by green electrons, you know, by hydropower. And, you know, they've been, you know, helping producing this, this, this hydrogen. So green hydrogen, renewable hydrogen is not new. Okay, it's been around and it's been actually really um, uh, focused on specific uh, sectors of the industry. So um, to respond to your, to your question or to actually statement, um, I would say we are far from having this one kilogram or one US dollars per kilogram uh, of your, your hydrogen, far from it. But needless to say, we, I am very opt optimistic too. I'm not too sure about the time scale though. Perfect. I think uh, this is brilliant. We, we are heading to the time limit for segment one, but uh, very important points, Dr. Bruno, you shared with our listeners today that first of all, the intriguing information that electrolyzers are not new. They have been around for hundred years. So a lot of things would have been proven on them, including the challenges you face with handling hydrogen, electrolyzers are nothing to be scared about, actually in a way, uh, it's manageable. Second, uh, it depends quite a bit on, uh, on electricity. So the, the cost of electricity has to go down. That will define how efficient the hydrogen production becomes. Plus, the electrolyzer manufacturers also have uh, a role to play where they can improve the efficiency of their electrolyzers to support massive growth in hydrogen as is needed mm -hmm. uh, for the planet. So, uh, Dr. Bruno, thank you so much for such a nice piece of information. We will now take a short break and we'll continue our discussions after this break. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And uh, I have with me Dr. Bruno, and we are talking about the role of hydrogen in global business. 
Dr. Bruno, very interesting discussions. A um, lot of good learnings in segment one from uh, very powerful information you, you shared about how hydrogen is coming into the main focus as one of the critical element of decarbonization. And uh, I would love for you to continue with your immense knowledge on this subject, on the subjects you touch, which is how to reduce the cost of production of hydrogen. One would be the cost of electricity, then efficiency, and how do you uh, reduce the cost of raw material, other things which go into uh, the production of, I'll focus on green hydrogen. So um, thank you very much. So uh, just to, to make a few a few points here, um, to to I really scale up this renewable hydrogen and and really uh, to make its contribution to the limiting warm warming or to 1.5 degrees C, which is actually being set, the electrolyzer capacity needs to grow by six thousand fold by 2050, from today's level of about 600 less than one gigawatt. So six. You know, around 600 megawatt at the moment. So right. this is actually quite huge at, the, at, at present, okay? Mm -hmm. So what we need to do here, in terms of that, obviously, what, what would uh, really uh, affect the cost, the price of your, of, your, uh, of your green hydrogen is obviously you need to ramp up this uh, electrolyzer capacity, you know, by, by uh, as I said, by quite a substantial amount. But also you need at the same time to increase also your renewables uh, capacity. So I'll give you some example here, some ballpark figure. Um, it's estimated that you would need about 400 to 600 million tons of green hydrogen to be produced by electrolysis. And this would require around 3,000 to 4,000 gigawatt of electrolyzer. And in terms that we also necessitate about around you know six six and a half to seven thousand gigawatt of renewable you know capacity for that hydrogen production. So that's huge, absolutely huge. Okay, right. But um, again, going back to the cost, so you need really to improve um, really uh, the, the system in terms of um, the uh, you know the, the uh, re renewable energy technologies. Okay, so the price. Is going down anyway. We've seen that over the years. You know the PV and the wind, as, as you know, the, the costs are very. You know the price are very interesting now. And the same will happen with uh, electrolyzers. So what we're focusing now in terms, you know, could be in industry, could be also in research institution, is looking at really materials which actually will be cheaper than you know uh, that the conventional material that being used at the moment. Okay, so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, for example, there's different type of technologies, you know, in electrolyzer, some of them are using very expensive, you know, platinum, iridium, and some of them less expensive, but again, you're playing with the longevity, the life, you know, time of the system. So there's a lot of effort at the moment using artificial intelligence to look at new type of materials, low cost, highly durable, are really highly performing. And this is one, one, one side. The other side as well is that um, you need to also have cheaper power electronics. Okay, you need to actually use power electronics to really drive, if you like, to ensure that you, you're actually producing your, your, your green hydrogen at the most efficient 
point during the cycle, okay? And this is very, very, it's, it's crucial, okay? So you need to have really uh, this very clever, you know, it's called, you know, energy management systems together with power electronics, and we're trying to reduce the cost of this as well. So the likes of the big companies like Siemens, et cetera, we're actually really putting a lot of effort to find new algorithm, to find new, actually, you know, uh, um, um, power electronics to, to do that. So there's a lot of things here. And, and obviously, you need also the offtake on people. We tend to forget about this. We need to have buyers there. We need to have more, you know, the buyers that would actually really say, we want to buy that green hydrogen. I want to buy right. it now. We want to use it in our in our processes. Okay. At the moment, if you look at, you know, I, I did a bit of a, you know, uh, a bit of a, uh, I would say uh, a, a, a study here. You know, so far around 1,000 projects on, on green hydrogen production has been announced globally. And, mm -hmm. and which is basically around maybe 10% of, of FID. FID is the final uh, you know, investment decision has been approved. So we are very far away from having actually really those projects being, you know, uh, totally uh, FID, if I can put it that, uh, that way. But, right. you know, we, we have a lot of things to do at the moment. And so it's try to get getting really the I would say uh, you know the, the customers ready to take it, but at the moment the, the customer is a bit hesitating here. You know, I'm not talking about the the green the, the steel manufacturers because they will have to decarbonize anyway. Okay, but I'm, I'm talking I'm talking about other actual customers saying like, oh, am I ready to to pay 10, 15 US dollars per kilogram of hydrogen? If I do that, I have no business model. My, I can just put the keys under, you know, under the door, I'm done. So what I'm trying to say, it has to be actually economic sense uh, for uh, the off-takers as well. That is very true. And that brings in a very good uh, subject here that what is the role of leadership here? It seems to be totally out of place here, but that's where the, the global leaders, the business leader, they come into play that what's their role? in this whole, if we, if we uh, use this word hydrogen economy, because this is going to be a big number. So their role here becomes that they should drive the policymaker, business leaders, supported by, by, by government leaders also. And luckily, some of that synergies are coming in. They are showing up that they have to create the demand. And yeah. that could be industry, which has to create the demand. And industry as well as the investment from government has to put money into developing infrastructure so that this can be transported pipelines refueling stations other things and and the other one is how do you scale the production but mandating few things some regulatory things but not only just regulating how to support those initiative by investments and what kind of benefits you create that could help in in what you have raised a very valid point because you're absolutely right. Today, the gap to, 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 to reach to the hydrogen level for, uh, let's say, uh, green hydrogen is at a very different level. The, the investment committed till now today and is not, uh, not in place is around $240 billion only worth of project. It's only announced. They're not... <laughs> They're not like installed. They have to go by 230. But what we need is almost 700 billion. Yeah. So there is a gap of big gap of double, which has been announced, which is 460 billion. Now, 
if you look at the, the amount of investment needed uh, in, on a path to net zero or 700 billion, if I summarize it, that could be some total of many countries' GDP. Exactly. Exactly. So some, some major economies, some major technology holders, they have a very big role to play. So what, what I see here um, to, to share with our listeners is that clearly with the amount of investment needed, agreed, it is not at the scale at is, which, is, uh, which is already committed today, creates literally a hydrogen economy like what we used to have earlier, oil and gas, and now the hydrogen is coming into play, and that's a big number, and it is supporting a much bigger social cause mm -hmm. of abating literally one-fifth of the, uh, the CO2 emission by 2050. So, so the focus needs to remain there, and, and um, maybe, Dr. Bruno, a few years down the line, we will see the hydrogen economy in place, but definitely, that will only happen on the points which you talked about in our segment one, which was how do you get it cost effective? And, uh -huh. uh, and, and, and uh, what I see, which we can probably discuss some other time, what I see a bigger picture in global business, in global business, they get impacted by geopolitics also. It, yes. These are the hidden undercurrents like the waterways were important and the sky routes and all this kind of stuff, the supply chains. But if hydrogen is going to grow at such a large pace as is needed, now the oil and gas rich countries, or not put, put countries, economies, I'll use the word, will have some parallels somewhere else. So the balance of power basis, the energy sources can dramatically change. And, yes. and and either it can make uh, uh, the whole world uh, tilt towards some other geopolitical situations, uh, weighing on some other economies, or it can make the society more equitable. Because huh? the, the oil and gas is not going to disappear. It will take a certain amount of time when this transition is happening. Correct. So Absolutely uh, correct. <laughs> right. I mean, if you see the repercussions... What I'm seeing with, 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 with the insights you have provided till now, how important hydrogen is, not only for business leaders, not only for societies, not only for, uh, for human beings to be uh, living in, in this planet for a longer duration, for next, leave a better planet for next generations, but this can change the whole ecosystem and the geopolitical system how yes. the world is existing, how yes. the countries and economies are collaborating with each other, each other right. or, or they're colliding with each other. Now, mm -hmm. if, you, if, if you read more uh, slightly shift from technology side to geopolitical side, that mm -hmm. what are the disadvantages and advantages of Ukraine versus Russia, what is happening, the Russian invasion yeah. there? Well, there's a lot of negatives. There are a lot of yeah. negatives. I'm saying war never yeah. has given anybody anything positive, right? It is. Right. <laughs> it always creates more negatives. But if you overall look at it, it has accelerated certain things. Yes. Which can change the game for decarbonization of our planet because yes. those efforts are getting more focused because there's nothing yes. else left. <laughs> you 
exactly. You, so, you are spots on here. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Bruno, we are uh, almost at the, at the end of our segment two. And uh, we'll take a short break and we will continue our discussions after the break. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And uh, we are having very intriguing and uh, very interesting discussions with Dr. Bruno on the role of hydrogen in global business. Dr. Bruno, uh, thank you for such fantastic information and insights on uh, hydrogen. And uh, uh, we are now in our segment three. Before we go uh, into a little bit more about green hydrogen, which seems to be uh, the most important factor for decarbonization and driving, I would say, hydrogen economy along with green other things and also could be detrimental to the global economy. I, I just want to share with our audience some facts about what are various countries doing about it, so the major countries. So let's say we pick up China. China consumes and produces, as of today, more hydrogen than any other country. And their current usage is more than 24 million tons. That may change dramatically in future. Now let's look at uh, the most advanced geography in this case, uh, the European Union. Now European Union uh, announced its national hydrogen strategy in 2020, and they recognize hydrogen as a key technology for achieving their policy goal uh, which they call as the European Green Deal. And, and the whole block strategy is heavily focused on emission-free green hydrogen. And the target is to install almost 40 gigawatts of renewable hydrogen electrolyzer capacity by end of this decade, which is 2030. And uh, the challenge there is the acceleration, because as per uh, Dr. Bruno, what you talked about in earlier segment, the number of projects announced and what is needed, very true. And in Europe's case, it applies exactly there. Their green hydrogen capacity as of now is set to reach close to three gigawatt by 2025, but they need 40 gigawatts as per the plan by 2030. So yes, ambitious goal, there could be challenges, but the good thing 
is they're focused on it. Now, South Korea. South Korea nailed down their hydrogen, what they call roadmap in 2019. So they are using clean hydrogen as a key driver of economic growth and job creation, which really focuses the whole uh, nation and economy into it. And they are looking at uh, becoming a global leader in producing and deploying uh, the fuel cell technologies and large-scale stationary fuel cells, sorry, I used the wrong word, which is FCEVs <laughs> and large-scale stationary fuel cells for hydrogen power generation. So a lot of focus there. And if you look at United States, they have announced a lot of things in IRA in the hydrogen chart. And USA is actually the second largest producer and consumer of hydrogen after China. And uh, United States accounts for almost 13% of global demand. Now states, in, in, in the United States, there are different behaviors in different states. And uh, like California, they're trying, they are actually far ahead. They are supporting the country's FCEV market growth for more than a decade now. They started early and they had the initiatives like clean vehicle rebate program. So you can say the US uh, has been leading the world in this field until uh, end of last decade, but the future uh, will decide who does uh, the best things for hydrogen. And, and just to refer to what government has done, they passed, uh, uh, passed into law, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act of 21, that itself contained 9.5 billion budget to boost clean hydrogen development. And then uh, they launched the Hydrogen Earthshot Program, which is one by one by one goal to cut the cost of clean hydrogen to $1 uh, per kg in one decade. So these are some of the large economies. And if you look at, let's say the fast emerging or growing economy like India. Now, they're the prime minister's taken lead. And, he, and then the prime minister launched the country's national hydrogen mission in 2021. So now he has focused the policymaker on considering legislations requiring oil refineries, fertilizer plants to use at least a minimum quota of green hydrogen in their industrial process. Now that's the way to drive into industrial process because they're not saying shut it down, use only hydrogen. They're saying minimum quota. And, and it looks like with the development they're having, the green hydrogen could be a huge value adding opportunity for India as they move towards renewables and away from imported fossil fuel. They're very heavily dependent on fossil fuel. So for such countries, um, India is one example, but there are many more. This is very useful. And uh, in, in, during uh, uh, the prime minister's speech, one of them, it became very prominent that green hydrogen could help India make a quantum leap to energy independence. And he has picked up the year 2047. They want to go energy independent, means they are not depending on anybody for import of oil or anything else, which if you look today, massive, massive dependence on it. So all the economies looks like are focusing on hydrogen. So this is very positive. Now, having said that, I come back to the major challenges or rather the opportunities which you pointed out, cost of electricity to produce it, 
these are the facts of life. Uh, and uh, availability of water for electrolyzers for green hydrogen. And the last one, how do we get the electrolyzers? And beyond that, uh, what is the life of an electrolyzer? How does it decide with the CapEx, OpEx combined, the cost of production of green hydrogen? Yes, so so uh, yeah, uh, thank you for actually raising those points. Actually, uh, and uh, in terms of this, uh, all those programs, and you know, uh, looking at the IRA, which actually, if I may uh, say, the IRA was uh, uh, for me a very good thing for the world. Actually, just especially for the Western world, if I may say so, I think it was a bit of a, a kick for everyone, especially for the European Union, to do something very quickly. And I think with the uh, US uh, IRA is I really like the, the way that it's very clearly explained. It's to, to, to uh, you know, straight to the, you know, to, to the objective here. We want to actually have those targets. We want to actually produce cheap hydrogen. We want to actually help, you know, the industry in order to achieve that, which is actually fantastic. And, and I'm going to come back also in terms of this, uh, um, you know, those projects out there, um, they heavily depend on public support to break even. So, you know, when we talk about the, as I said, US IRA, the Australian Clean Energy Finance Corp in Australia, the European Union Fit for 55 package, uh, yes. important project of common European interest funding program, and also don't forget the Japanese demand side R&D support program. So all those as well, they're obviously focusing on in areas of efficiencies on making better electrolyzers, you know, making better systems, you know, how we can actually deploy those systems quicker, quickly into the different industries, et cetera. And, um, and you hit something which is very important. Um, obviously, uh, you know, you need two major raw materials, if I may say so here. One is the water, you know, you need basically nine kilograms of water to make one kilogram of hydrogen. And obviously, chem chemically, you need, obviously, you will put, sorry, a kilogram of oxygen. So it's a lot, okay? Mm -hmm. So if we, let's assume now, let's say that you mentioned the 40 gigawatt from the European Union, that's the target, but only 30, very challenging, very challenging, if I may say so, because we haven't even reached yet the gigawatt. Anyway, yeah. um, you know, if we, you know, that would be equivalent to producing 10 million tons of renewable hydrogen. That equates to 10 billion kilograms or 10 billion liters of pure water. Wow. Okay. This is huge. All right. For mm -hmm. Europe, okay, that's fine. We can, if I may say so, we can afford it. But I used to live in South Africa. I used to live mm -hmm. in places in Africa where, you know, pure water, water is scarce. You know, it's gold. So right. we need to find ways to really, you know, two things here. One is to use seawater and purify it, you know, in order to, we can actually kill two birds with one stone here. One is to, you know, uh, desalinate this water to produce potable water and to produce hydrogen. And the other thing as well, I've been also, I've worked uh, in, a, in a short time in the water industry. And mm -hmm. you wouldn't believe, actually, that, um, you know, that the wastewater treatment could be also used as, you know, units to generate hydrogen. Okay. So you could actually kill also many birds with one stone. In other words, you can, 
purify or clean your wastewater, and perhaps also retrieve some uh, important raw materials in there, but also at the same time, you could produce your hydrogen, okay? This is actually important here. The other point as well in that I want to really convey to your uh, listeners is that when we are using electrolyzers, we are now um, depending heavily on critical raw minerals. So those minerals, which are very important, for example, I'll give you by analogy here, you know, those conventional lithium ion batteries, you will use lithium, you know, minerals, cobalt, nickel, etc. Well, it's, it's actually the same for electrolyzers. Electrolyzers depends heavily on platinum, iridium, nickel, cobalt, and like a portfolio of different minerals. The good things about it is that those minerals, we can actually access them to, I would say, regions of the world which are so far our friends, okay? Now, um, again, if you look at, you know, different technologies in the electrolyzer, now we've been pretty much talked about the, you know, is the uh, the Rolls Royce of electrolyzers called the production marble motor electrolyzer, which is basically the one which is mainly used at present in mm -hmm. the industry. Uh, you, you are using platinum on iridium. And on, on platinum iridium, they are sourced in places like South Africa, you know, about 70, 80 percent, you know, uh, basically resides there. You have also mines in Russia, uh, Zimbabwe and other places in the world. OK, um, so these also, are, I would say, the, uh, the, 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 the something that we need in the area to take into account. We don't want to be in the same situation that we've been with, for example, Europe, where we heavily depended upon, you know, Russian gas and then. You know, now, I mean, I, I remember actually I had a, had a, a conference a few years ago. I, I jokingly, about 10 years ago, I said, you know, we, we should really think about being a bit more independent in terms of our gas because one day R Russia may turn the tap off. In fact, right. they did it. They did it. Yeah, okay, so we don't, it's exact, exactly right. So we need to be now, in terms, we need to be really pragmatic on very long-termist, if you like, rather than short-termist. Long term, and say, okay, we want to deploy that electrolyzer capacity, that renewable hydrogen. Let's look at where we can source locally and really deploy local supply chain and eventually, you know, obviously creating local jobs, etc. We need to think about all this there. And this is what I'm trying to convey to the, uh, I would say, the, um, the policymakers, the, the politicians, that now we need to be a bit more like, Okay, what do we have around us in the, on the ground? What can we, you know, in terms of having, you know, the US and Canada, for example, and the EU, we have a strong, really strong uh, uh, history on so-called fuel cells, electrolyzer, production of hydrogen. And I think this is now the time to capitalize on this and to really, uh, I would say, um, you know, create wealth, you know, in, 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 uh, in, you know locally, but also, to um, ensure that we are geopolitically we are well aligned. In other words, we are, you know, also, um, I would say, uh, getting uh, help or being with, you know, like those developing countries, like, you know, some in Africa, some, you know, the country, you know, areas in, in the world where, you know, hydrogen makes sense there, you know, you know and, and this, is, this is for me, um, you know, uh, quite important if you want to, uh, you know, to, to ramp up these industrial economies, you know, for clean hydrogen.
So this is where we are at. Uh, my side. That's very good, Dr. Bruno. And uh, we are now at the end of our segment three. We'll take a short break and we'll continue our discussion. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening uh, to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And more importantly, Dr. Bruno, on the role of hydrogen in global business. And Dr. Bruno, very, very, um, I would say, uh, thought-provoking ideas and, and which can make anybody think through that what's going to happen to the global economy in a very new platform, although not new to human being, uh, hydrogen, which has been there through electrolyzers for 100 years, but the way it is getting prominence and the way it's going to change our life. So, Dr. Bruno, we are at the last segment of our show today. Uh, I would request you to, you know, provide some closing comments for our listeners as takeaways. Thank you. So, what I want to really uh, uh, conclude here is that hydrogen is now, and hydrogen will be part of this energy mix, and it's not the silver bullet to really decarbonization, but most important, what we're trying to aim at is to decarbonize our societies, our economy, you know, the world. This is really uh, the, the, the most critical uh, point in human, you know, in humanity, I would say. And, um, and what we need to do first is to be incremental. So we need to look at uh, using hydrogen for the uh, the sector which are very hard to decarbonize. I call them the art the how to abate, how to decarbonize, how to electrify. We call them the no-regret sectors, for example, the steel, glass, cement, ammonia, etc. Uh, you know, production. And uh, we need to ramp up very quickly the uh, production of this green hydrogen to meet really our, our targets. And we need also to, at the same time, to uh, not only to increase the electrolyzer capacity, we need to improve on the efficiency. We need to improve also the materials and the lifetime as well of those electrolyzers. They are not very, I would say, uh, long living, depending actually which electrolyzer manufacturer you are talking to. But we have a, a lot of, uh, I would say, challenges, but also opportunities. Uh, and we have to take it, that into really account. So uh, at the moment, I would say, what are the main reasons for the slow deployment of hydrogen project? I was mentioning earlier, you know, the 1000 project plus, uh, there's many things there, obviously, uh, you know, uh, a lot of bureaucracy, but also a lot of um, 
I would say, uh, a lack, uh, lab shortage in engineering, procurement, construction, then strain local and global supply chain, increase increasing inflation on interest rates, and also lack, so, some areas of the world, lack of public support in human markets. Never, nevertheless, we are here in a hydrogen era, and I can say to the viewers, in the next 10 years, the, the world will be different. There will be more hydrogen projects, we'll be using more hydrogen systems, you know, it could be at home, it could be in the industry, it could be for traveling, but, you know, watch this space. That's lovely. I think uh, uh, that's that's very, very nice insight into this whole hydrogen, I would call economy in future, and also hydrogen revolution. And I also feel with our discussions today that uh, there will be a new hydrogen-driven geopolitics in the future. As it seems, uh, yes, there are a lot of moving pieces. Uh, there seems a lot of technology development is happening and more will happen. But the good news is that the technology development is now getting supported by the support from governments and other agencies who really matter. The population, general population is aware of uh, the disadvantages of carbon emission, they're all aligned. And the, and the best alignment is from governments, as we see more governments are going after hydrogen and they are trying to incentivize in one way or the other. And what I see here is a major, major play coming in in geopolitics of hydrogen also as some of the countries, or some of the major geographies or economies, which were uh, not the economies dependent on their own production of fossil fuel or availability of those natural resources, they suddenly find an opportunity that they can move in two phases, both synchronized, that go for renewable power, could be wind, sun, whatever way renewable power they want to go for. And that is not dependent on the fossil fuel. And they can leverage those renewable energies available to them to create green hydrogen. Yes, there could be some geographies despite having all this, and as Dr. Bruno, you earlier indicated, may uh, lack some other raw material, which in this case could be the major raw material of water, but you mentioned that wastewater treatment, that could be one of it. So if you look at the, the whole water ecosystem, leveraging all of it, there may be new economic powers emerging, there could be an opportunity with hydrogen for them where they are not controlling the global markets like OPEC, where they can decide their production and manage the prices of oil going one way or the other. So I think it may levelize um, the geopolitical equations and uh, it may create more equality in the society uh, with the 
the deprived geographies, I would rather the deprived, um, that's the wrong word, the geographies which did not have those natural resources which were very instrumental in the industrial revolution as power source or I would say energy source, they will come on the table for discussion when the future of our globe and our global business and other pieces are defined. So uh, it seems like Dr. Bruno, we agree that uh, there will be a new uh, hydrogen economy, uh, if, if I may use that word, would be visible not uh, very long from now. Uh, it could be if the European Union projection of 2030, if they achieve that, and, and, and the hydrogen shot of US again for 2030 and some other countries, what they are pushing for, then we will have a, a new economic variable defining how the businesses work, how the countries deal with each other, how uh, the energy equations uh, now affect uh, the global business and international relations. So Dr. Bruno, I really thank you. Thank you so much for such intriguing and uh, thought-stimulating uh, discussions. Thank you very much, Mahesh. You've been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.